This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. God's sovereignty, God's foreknowledge, God's uh, foreknew that the remnant of Jews will receive grace. God's unmerited favor. How were you saved? We were saved by what? By works? No, by grace. We were saved by grace. It's not what you do that makes you right with God. It's what he's done. You see, grace is getting something we don't deserve. Were you saved by your good works? No, it was by God's unmerited favor that you have salvation in Christ. In his message today, Pastor Eddie shares that there is nothing you can do to earn a spot in heaven. By having faith in the grace of our Lord, you can find salvation in Christ Jesus. When we do good works, it is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Out of love and appreciation for his wonderful gift, we do good works. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie as he continues his message in Romans chapter 11. best intelligence in the world, the best. You know, they're second to none. They'll take all our old equipment, our apparatus, our jet fighters, our tanks, and then when they get a hold of it, when they finish with it, it's 10 times better than the way we designed it. The best intelligence in the world. Israel is the third largest exporter of fruit in the world. The third largest exporter of fruit. You know, you know, you think about it. Some of the fruits that we have in the produce now, Israel... As a matter of fact, that also proved a prophecy that Isaiah spoke thousands of years ago. Isaiah 27, verse 6, he says, Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. And then the third is largest. The fact that Israel is still on the map, the fact that the Jews are back in their land proves there is a God and that God keeps his promises. It has nothing to do with Israel. Their intelligence and how smart they are and how advanced they are has nothing to do with Israel. It has to do with everything with God. God said, the nations of the world will be blessed because of you. Why they still stand today it has nothing to do with Israel. It has nothing to do with the Jews. It has to do with everything with God because God gave them that blessing. And even for us, even the promise that I will bless you, those, I was blessed those that bless you and curse those who curse you. You know, back when Israel had left the Gaza, all the Jewish people had to leave the Gaza Strip. And look at for yourself. This is my interpretation. But I believe in the scripture and I believe in God. When Israel left the Gaza, the United States, we were behind them. We were saying, hey, listen, yeah, just for peace, for peace. Before you know it, they're going to be left all in a square box. They got to give up their land. You ever see all the Arab lands? Really? Do they need that much space? But we were behind. The United States said, hey, give Israel you know, you know, Israel, give to Gaza just for peace. Give it to them. Who are we to give? And who are we to get involved? Who's Israel to give the land when God gave it to them? So guess what? There's chaos. Jews were living in tents because they lost their home in the Gaza. 
Men love their business, their practice. Families been separated. It's chaos. You, you look at it and Google it for yourself. In less than 48 hours, what happened to America? Katrina. And what happened in the Gaza, as a matter of fact, there was a Jewish owner who owned a farm there. And they were doing well in Gaza. They had to leave. The Arabs took over that farm. And guess what? It's infested with worms. This is not hearsay. This is not articles that you read from anti-pro-Israel. This is facts. And how I know that? The Bible tells me. So when you line up current events and history with the Bible, you'll find out that God is true. God keeps his promises. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. He goes on to say, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul present himself as his first proof that God has not rejected Israel. He's saying, guys, God has not rejected Israel. What am I, leftover matzah? I'm a Jew and I'm a Christian. I believe in the Messiah. So I'm proof that God has not rejected Israel entirely. He writes to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 5. He says, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. You can't get any more Jewish than Paul. Hebrew of Hebrews. In those days, the reason why he said I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, he included that in because the culture was pretty much dominated by the Greeks. So there was a Greek language. So most of the New Testament were in Greek. So he said, listen, yeah, I, I know how to speak Greek. I know the culture. I may live in some cities in the Greek, but I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, deep inside and out. And so that's what Paul is saying. Look at me. I got saved. I am a Jew. So how can God cast away the people? Paul, a Jew, and how he was saved. Just think about it. Paul is saying, I'm a Jew. I got saved. And it's going to illustrate pretty much what would happen to Israel, all of Israel, in the future, eventually. So I'm not rejected, then that's it. So, you know, we as Christians should not have any ounce of Semitism in us. We as Christians should defend and pray for Israel. Praise God that we are allied with Israel. I think that is the reason why we're blessed. That's the reason why we're blessed. We forget not only Paul was a Jew, but, you know, Christians forget that their Savior, Jesus Christ, was a Jew. His disciples, Jews, the first church in the day of Pentecost, the birth of your church, us, our heritage, goes way back to the day of Pentecost, were Jews. God's promise, and if God promised Israel, I will bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. Listen, God is to his word. I'm going to, whether I like it or not, I'm going to bless Israel. But I, I love Israel. I wish I could live there. You know, as a matter of fact, there's something powerful in that land. And when I went to Israel for the first time, I didn't want to psych myself up. I really didn't. It was amazing. I came back home, and every time I come back home, it's always the same feeling. When I come back home, you know how I feel? I feel homesick. I feel homesick. It's an amazing power. That's the reason why God has kept it. Look at the map and just see how small it is. God has a sense of humor. He's just letting the world know, listen, you see this little land? Nothing's going to happen to it. And look at how much is around. Surrounded by water, just like the children of Israel before they crossed the river, right? What's in front? One side is water. But to the north, to the south, to the east, it's all covered with enemies. They're surrounded by enemies. But guess what? They're thriving. 
they're flourishing. And what birthed out of there, intelligence, produce, it's making its way still all over the world. There is a God, folks. Back to Romans chapter 11, verse 2. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Underline, can't get any clearer than that. Paul answers the question and he tells you, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew, or do you not know what the scriptures uh, say of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel. Paul here is going to use the prophet Elijah as an illustration. Elijah, if you remember, had a spiritual showdown. You'll find this story is a good story to read in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. Elijah had a spiritual showdown. 450 prophets, false prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Ashenar. So 850 false prophets, he's having a showdown. Your God is bigger than my God. Your God is real or my God is real. Okay, but he says to the nation of Israel, because they turned their backs against God, he says in First uh, Kings chapter 18, verse 21, he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Notice he's giving them a choice. He's, they have a free will, Right? So Elijah channels, challenged them and said, the God who will answer fire from the sky, lot the altar is the true God, okay? Okay, you guys get your altar, you get your sacrifice, I'll have my altar and my sacrifice. So he let them go first. They, they put their sacrifice on the altar and they were day and night, not day and night, all morning, crying out to their God, cutting themselves, nothing, Meanwhile, Elijah is on a sun chair, sitting down, getting a manicure and a pedicure, waiting for his turn, because nothing's going to happen, right? So he, he, he kind of teases them. He said, listen, call out louder. You're not shouting, yelling loud enough. Maybe your God is busy, and that's exactly what it says in the Old Testament. It means maybe your God is in the bathroom. That's what it literally means. Your God is in the bathroom. Wake him up. Nothing happened. They said, okay. Now it's my turn. He builds the altar, gets the wood, gets the sacrifice, but there's one ingredient missing. When you use fire, we need fire, you need water. No, you don't. He says, bring me buckets of water. The altar, fill it with water. Just douse it with water. Fill it. They soaked it with water. They said, okay, now, now we're going to, one more thing. Just need one more greens. What is it? More water. So he gets water again. He lights it up. You know, they, I mean, he fills it up with water. They fill it up with water. Okay, okay. I think we're ready now. But wait a minute. One more thing missing. Water. More water. The third time they soaked the altar. And then he called. God lit the altar. Consumed the water. It consumed the water. Consumed the sacrifice. The wood and the altar. Great. Tough man. You want a guy like that. I want a brother in Christ like that could call fire from heaven. Right? He was tough enough, bold enough, passionate enough to stand for God. What does it say after that? The false prophets, all 850 false prophets. Elijah himself killed and slayed all of them. Killed and slayed all of them. Tough guy. God used him. Fire from heaven. Killed 850 men. Tough guy, right? It took one woman and the words of one woman to have him run away when he heard that Jezebel wanted to kill him. Can you imagine? 850 men. Rah! One lady. Pff, 
gone. Jezebel wanted to get after him. But you see, Elijah, at this point, he does the mighty work of God. But now he finds himself hiding from a woman in a cave all alone. He thinks he's alone. That's it. I'm the only one. They're going to kill me. That's it. God, your promises. I don't know about your promises. I don't know about the prophecies. I don't know about Israel. I'm the only one. Let's look at verse 3. Say, Lord, they have killed. This is what Elijah says to the Lord. Lord, they have killed your prophets and tore down your altars. And I alone am left. And they seek my life. Verse 4. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to the knees of Baal. God had a remnant in Israel. Elijah did not know about Elijah thought that he was the only one serving God, the only one who would not bow down to any other gods while the majority of Israel were worshiping Baal. Not to realize that God has 7,000 men. God had a remnant. And this is the point that Paul is trying to prove to his readers. 7,000 Jews he did not know about. And can I tell you about you, believers in Christ, we're the minority at this point. But don't let the media, because we know we could trust the news, right? Don't believe the news. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe in any world leaders either. They are more for God than against God. These saints are filled in heaven. Before you know it, I mean, you'll see there are Christians all over. Some will not be bold enough to profess their faith or speak of their faith or be Caruso's, but there are Christians all around and you think that you're the minority, you're the only one because you have governors signing into law things that make that doesn't, you know, seems to them like it makes sense, but it's against God. You know, let them sign their laws. Let them. It's their kingdom, it's the world's kingdom. So the, the world's gonna have its own laws. But this one kingdom of God that no one can sign, it doesn't matter what happens here on earth. There's one kingdom, and that's through Jesus Christ. But you're not alone. You're not alone. They are more with you than against you. They are believers all over the world. As a matter of fact, right now in the West, we have it all nice. In the East, there's a lot of Christians that are being persecuted. So we think, we think the same. Well, because the East are being persecuted by ISIS and all these Islamic groups. No, they're multiplying even more. I just got an email letter from uh, many of us who went to Israel, met them. Um, they uh, went on an Israel trip with them. They came from Bahrain. And they joined us and we had the trip together. There are a lot of Arabs are giving their life to Jesus Christ. There's a remnant, folks, even in the body of Christ. So he said, verse 5, even so then, at this present time, he's speaking now, and it also applies to us today. At this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Just like in Elijah's time, Paul is pointing out, in his time and even now. There has been, there will always be a remnant of Jews believing in Jesus Christ. This remnant, according to the election of grace, is God's foreknowledge. God knew who would serve him, who would not. Every generation of the church, there's a remnant chosen by grace, has been called from among the Jews. God's sovereignty, God's foreknowledge, God's uh, foreknew that the remnant of Jews will receive grace. God's unmerited favor. How were you saved? We were saved by what? By works? No, by grace. We were saved by grace. It's not what you do that makes you right with God. It's what he's done. You see, grace 
is getting something we don't deserve. In verse 6, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, works is no longer works. I know you're like, I'm going to explain that to you. The words grace and works are mutually exclusive. If we know that, we are accepted by God, by not works, by grace, through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, not of works, then we know that we don't have to work for it. We're saved simply by believing. Father Abraham, right? He's a father of many nations, plural. Not only the nation of Israel, not only over the Arabs, but he's a father of faith. He's our father of faith. Just by simply believing. He just simply believed in God. It was account to him as righteousness. However, if we are seeking God to accept us by works, what we do, then faith is useless and it has no effect in our lives. You are saved by grace. So how can we not live by uh, the faith that we have in grace? By God's grace, we believe in faith. We're saved by grace. The rest of our lives in Christ should be in faith. Why is it that we are saved by grace, but once we're saved by grace, all of a sudden, we want to continue in works? Why do we want to continue works? If we're seeking God to accept it by works, then faith is useless. It has no effect. And this is simple to understand, and yet we still try to combine the two, faith and works, in our lives. I know God has saved me by grace, but I have to do this work and that work to be right with God. No, it is always based on faith by grace. If we do work, it is because of what God has already done through his son, Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus said, tell us that it is finished. That's why there's so many religions. Religions tell it, well, you want to be right with God? You got to do this, do that, face to the east, point to the west on certain times, you know, check the temperature. And you got you to say these words, you got to do this, you got to do that. No, Abraham didn't do that. He was counted as righteous because he believed. But we do the works. Here, here's the thing. We do the works because he already has done the work. We do the work as a byproduct of what he's done in our lives. You see, on the cross, he said, tell us that it's finished. He didn't say, okay, this part one, I got the toughest part. I went on the cross for you. You should be happy. And I'll take it from here. Jesus didn't say that. And he said, okay. I took the big step. Now you go from here. I did chapter one, chapter two. I did step one. You do chapter two. Now you take it from here. Come on, go. No, he said it's finished. The complete work of salvation to be right with God is faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus already done the work. We're not saved by works. We can't put the two together. The only reason why there is work is because we of what he's done for us. And because what he's done for me, I want to be in fellowship. I want to be around believers in Christ. I want to pray for, with, and for everyone. I, I want to read the scriptures. I want to have my devotion because I love them. These things I do, not because I have to, because I want to. There's a difference. But somehow we always tend to put the two together. They don't go together. It's a byproduct. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore... Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience 
to faith among all nations for his name. Well, we studied here chapter 11. Paul's going to continue out the rest of the chapter to prove that God has not rejected Israel because there's a problem if God did. Then we have a problem. Then we have a problem because just as God could reject Israel, as some believe, he could reject the Gentiles as well, every single one of us. If God is through with Israel, cast them away, reject them, then God has failed to keep his promise. And we saw some of the promises. If God has failed to keep his promise, then he is not true to his word. And he is true to his word. And so God is faithful. We look at God, we look at Israel, we see a miracle. And we should say, hallelujah. You want to know there's a God? Look, from ancient times, the same God in the Old Testament, New Testament, and I don't even like the term New Testament church. And that tells me you only believe in the New Testament and you forget about the whole the Old Testament. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament. We don't understand that they go together hand in hand. The Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. The Old Testament is the New Testament revealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. That's why Paul's using Elijah. He's always quoting because it goes hand in hand. There are a lot of things people, if they just have the Old Testament, they will not understand. There are a lot of things that people just have in the New Testament, they fail because they're lacking. They need the whole counsel of God. God had a plan for Israel. He kept his word. And God has a plan for each and every one of us. He's going to keep his word. Nothing will separate you, Gentile believers, from the love of God. And I leave with this passage, Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or perils or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. You have nothing to worry about. Israel has nothing to worry about. It's still there. The Messiah, the promise is still there. All they got to do is believe. You, Gentile believers, share Jews, the Messiah, the Mashiach, share the gospel. They say, we, I have your Messiah in my heart. Pray for Israel. That's how we know this is a generation that they will see the coming of Jesus Christ. And we need to be ready. We need to be busy about his business. You're safe, great. Don't be selfish. Don't keep the, the Savior to yourself. Carusos, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm ready. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. 
You can also connect with us on social media. Like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting running the race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.